this is Carol Nyman, South Zone Workplace Health and Safety Director, and you are listening to Passion for Health. This is your opportunity to hear about the sensitive topic of workplace violence, particularly aggression and violence towards healthcare workers, and our efforts now to raise awareness about it and with the intent and goal of preventing it. We're here today with Terry Fortunasa the Seniors Health Director for Continuing Care, Palliative Care, and Geriatric Assessment and Rehab with Alberta Health Services here in the South Zone. First off, Terry, can you tell us a little bit about you and your background in healthcare? Well, thank you, Carol. Um, you have described a wee bit of my background, so I'm just going to add that I'm interested in violence prevention matters for both acute care and long-term care as we see it in both service delivery areas. So why do you think it's important to talk about violence towards healthcare workers? Well, healthcare workers are among the highest at-risk group for experiencing violence on the job. In a continuing care setting, which was our experience, nurses and healthcare aides, which we'll refer to as HCAs, are at highest risk. Often, when the violence and abuse occurs to the staff, patients are responding really out of fear, pain, anger, or their inability to communicate their needs. Their environment has changed and new to them in that they're no longer able to live in their previous home environment. They're fearful. In healthcare, we know staff underreport the violent workplace incidents for reasons of their own, such as a misconception that it's part of their job, a fear of losing their job or reprisal, lack of understanding about what to report, or not knowing the processes for reporting. That is for sure, yes. It's really important for our staff to trust that reports must be submitted so that leadership is aware and we're able to respond. Leadership is concerned, we're interested, and we will investigate to find resolution and to keep staff safe and healthy. Which is wonderful. In a previous podcast, we heard from Alberta Health Services Senior Operating Officer for the South Zone, Sean Shilton, speak about changing the culture towards a zero acceptance of workplace violence. In 2014, you and I were involved in a collaborative effort in one of our facilities in the South Zone to address an increase in violent incidents in continuing care. Would you mind sharing with us about this? This health centre includes a 44-bed long-term care unit. At the end of 2014, staff verbally reported increases in aggressive physical contact by residents to the point of minor injuries to the staff. They were encouraged by the healthcare health, uh, the workplace health safety advisor and management to use the reporting system to track the types of incidents and verbally report them to the manager. And this resulted in an increase of reported incidents that you captured in the following months, um, in uh, ending by March to 2015 report. As an immediate response in April and May, the workplace health and safety safety advisor Seniors Health Best Practice, nurse practitioner, and a second long-term care manager were asked to review the unit processes and practices of the staff. So armed with the outcomes of their review, in June of 2015, a working group formed to provide a deeper review of the type and cause of the increasing incidents. This included you, Carol, as the Workplace Health and Safety Director, 
And we had a safety advisor, a site manager, a second long-term care manager. We had a quality improvement consultant. We had best practice, seniors health education manager and a site educator, the seniors health nursing practitioner, and myself as director of seniors health. And this collaborative team effort also included a staff representative after the first initial leadership sessions occurred. So the outcome of the review, if I can go on. Please do. We're going forward and the goal is to understand the person in our care through person-centered care. And this was kept as a focus point in addition to staff safety. Our collaborative team, as we described, identified a variety of problem practice areas, as well as a select number of regular and repeat resident offenders. Staff struggled with being a care provider, but also being abused. The three disciplines, the RN, the LPN, and the healthcare aide, had developed a practice in relation to their own roles and responsibilities and informal expectations of themselves. So communication techniques, clarity and consistency was essential to guide each area of practice. The staff recognized a need to work at a culture shift of more collaborative practice. There was a need for more engagement of the RN leadership role. There was the reluctance of the LPN to use medications when escalating behaviors were reported. And the physicians and staff also identified the complexity of family dynamics and expectations. For example, a family may resist the care plans that were put in place, the use of appropriate medications, but families also felt staff should accept behaviors even though the actions were violent and causing injuries because that was their job. A staff mix was discussed also, discussing some of the dementia residents being calmer when engaged with select staff. And the site manager and physician group needed to provide more leadership and visibility on the units, listening to the staff and providing the support. We also had an unusual tool called the stop, a stop and watch tool, which empowered the HCAs to document and report their observations, which increased communication and collaboration in addressing their identified concerns. Through this collaborative effort and in this health care facility, staff also identified and faced situations where a patient and their family were physically and verbally abusive towards them, as you've identified. While these situations are unusual, it's quite important that we talk about them. As healthcare providers, we want to do our best for patients. And in this case, what did you do to support staff and address the violence and abuse they were facing? Well, Carol, you and I were again involved in this situation and with our collaborative team. The background to this unusually violent situation began when the long-term care unit accepted a female resident who had been evicted from another facility. The family were also evicted because of their behaviors. And within a week of admission, the resident and family negated the medication and the care plans. They accused the staff of negligence and they requested a new physician. The staff willingly continued to provide care and compassion, but to no positive end. The resident would physically strike the staff and verbally abuse them. She was continuously pushing the call bell and yelling out to the staff for attention. When the family arrived, they accused the staff of negligence in support of their mom's claims. The resident had a cell phone and would call her family at any time of the day or night to make the staff do as she asked. 
And the expectation thus of the family and the resident was very high and certainly did not align with the service provision that we could provide in long-term care. There was a need for increased security at the site, which was completed. The staff at the site suffered after the resident left. The staff were provided with on-site healing sessions. The ethics lead met with the staff often, allowing them to discuss their feelings and without leadership presence, so they had their, their own sessions. And staff were seen by their personal physicians for stress. Many staff were on sick leave that affected the ability of the site to accept new admissions. This was really a unique situation, but one that can be repeated in any facility, in part or in whole. Thank you, Terry, for offering that clarity. And it was clear through all of the actions of the collaborative uh, teamwork, healthcare team that we had for this healthcare facility, there was great support offered to staff, the patients, and their families at that time. What has changed in the last two years? Can you tell us a little bit about this approach? We all value respect and safety in how we work together and care for our residents. So the site has continued to work on their culture change and the strategies employed with challenging residents. We include all staff in education, including the unit clerks, in the protection um, uh, using nonviolent crisis intervention skills if they have resident or community contact whatsoever. The clinical staff also study supportive pathways. There's increased visibility of the RN staff and physicians, improving the communication with all disciplines. We increase discussion when we're reviewing potential residents to be received based on a review of their history and health requirements. And we increase temporary staffing when we have new residents who are admitted with known challenging behaviors. Most importantly, we also increase family discussions and engagement based on dementia care, their understanding of dementia, and the care provided at the site. So overall, we're seeing more communication, the staff are visibly engaged and feel empowered, and the work of caring is ongoing. The staff feels supported, we have a better environment to work within, and the, and the residents have a better environment to live within. Thank you, Terry, so much for being here today and sharing your lived experience with workplace violence and the prevention and strategy safety that you put in place. To learn more about workplace violence prevention and safety expectations, please visit ahs.ca slash safety expectations. If you need help or have a health-related requirement for information related to dementia, please call HealthLink at 811. This is Carol Nyman, and you have been listening to Passion for Health, produced by Alberta Health Services. You can follow us at ahs.ca slash podcasts to add your comments. We would love to hear from you.